Rusty Quill presents. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club. I am your host, author, writer, creator Tyler Bell of the uh, long-running, sometimes awarded, and uh, and much beleaguered West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Dark Fiction podcast. I hope you guys are all having a good time, a good day. It is officially January 2023. Sliding in there. I can't even believe it. It, it and, you know, I keep seeing the memes. I keep seeing the memes everywhere, and it's I'm still processing 2020. Uh, I haven't quite got yet gone over uh, 2019. You know, 2014 still haunting me. Now it's 2023, and uh, you know it is. Hey, man, it happens. Um, last year was supposed to be, and you know, I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm not saying it wasn't, but it was supposed to be my uh, my the big year of the West Side Fairy Tales. You know what I mean? This is that was going to be our. It was going to be our time. God damn it. And, uh, and it sort of was to a degree, you know, I didn't have a bad year. We, um, we kind of got through the first year of the launch of, uh, the eyes beneath my father's house as my first published book, self-published. Oh, oh, oh no. But, um, I, I finally started going to, uh, conventions after the COVID restrictions ended. I've been meeting people left and right, making a ton of new friends, the convention, the convention circuit is absolutely 100% worth it, especially the ones that I'm doing. Um, 
And, you know, it has been, it's just been a great time. It's been a really good time. A lot of fun. I've been selling books like crazy. It's good to see that, you know, I, there's, there's genuine interest in my book um, and my writing and me as a creator in general. I'm not necessarily meeting people that already know about me, but everybody that I talk to is like, wow, that book sounds great. I will buy a copy. You sound like an interesting author. And, you know, I might be, I might be still sitting on some TBR piles. I'm not necessarily getting all my, uh, my reviews back. Hey, I bought Tyler's book at the thing or other, you know, and maybe some of them hate him, but, uh, in either case, you know, I'm, 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 I'm getting pulp off the shelf. You know what I'm saying? And that feels, that feels fucking amazing. And I'm making some new friends. I've sold almost all of my original investment of books. So to say, I don't know how to describe that better, but basically, um, I bought, at personal cost, at extreme personal cost, like $650 worth of fucking books. Um, when I, uh, when, when I, when I launched the, the eyes beneath my father's house, which is, you know, a substantial amount, uh, especially for an indie person, a lot of indie people, they don't sell five. They really, they don't sell five books. They don't even sell fucking 10. You know, I mean, maybe in, you know, if they're, if they're as old as me, you don't get a lot of pitch, pity purchases from like family and stuff either. And I'm, I'm far out doing that. You know, I've sold almost that original fucking hundred. I've sold a bunch online too. So, you know, I'm moving it and that's without any advertising budget or anything like that. So I'm, I'm really grateful for everybody's support. Um, as a, as a person that was just out here doing it raw the first time, like literally just popping off and being like off my own, off my own personality, talent, and like the small community that I've, I've created, you know, I managed to do some, some pretty cool shit. And, uh, you know, I have you guys to thank for it, but, um, 2022 was a rough fucking year, man. Um, I got my, I got my teeth kicked in over and over again, and I'm glad I went into it in a positive way. And I'm, I've been getting more and more positive kind of as the years go on and I get more adjusted to this sort of like existence. I don't know why I was so just depressed. I think maybe it was really like COVID, you know, once you can start fucking leaving your house, everything starts feeling better. I was like, man, I've been such a Debbie downer. And it's just because like 2019 actually legitimately did suck. And then 2021 and 2022, you know, the first two years of the twenties were just absolute nightmares. But this year, which I was like, this is going to be my kick ass year. Um, I got COVID and COVID fucking murdered me for a month. I had a mild, like little work breakdown where it's just like absolutely absolutely overburdened with all of the stuff that was kind of, you know, going on, but I did three conventions, which was wild. Uh, one particularly largest one, large one, medium, large one, medium, large one. Yeah. Um, one extremely tiny one. And then one moderately tiny one, uh, mostly, mostly small fry stuff, which is good. It's a good, it's a good way to tip your, to, to dip your toes in the, in the, the water, so to say, and kind of get used to stuff. But, um, as I'm getting, you know, more comfortable and stuff, I met people out there and, uh, long story short, rambling here over and over and again. Um, I have a publisher. I, I officially, I'm, I'm with Henlo press out of Huntington, West Virginia. Um, they're a great, they're very tiny, brand new. I think I, I can't remember exactly, but I think they've been going for about two ish, two and a half years now. So, I mean, they're literally, you know, one of the smallest of the smalls, but you know, they're building up and it's, it's great. They're, they're fun people to staff of like two, three ish, <laughs> uh, people, but, um, you know, they're, they're, they're small and they're passionate. And, um, I introduced them to my novel West by God and they liked it. And we are moving forward from there. 
Still got to do like signing stuff and all that sort of shit. But it's gonna have good. It's gonna be good to have somebody else just in my corner setting shit up for me, helping me with marketing, helping me set up all these convention appearances and all that stuff, handling you know all all these mini minutia with book launches and shit, which is just an absolute absolute pain in the ass. Uh, but once all that stuff is you know not a thing that I necessarily have to deal with consistently anymore, it's not all the way on my plate. I'll have a lot more time to make shit. And, um, also, you know, I'm going to be doing a big push the book. Um, as I said before, West by God, I don't know if I've told you guys about it necessarily. It is, um, fairly short in, in the grand scheme of long form Tyler short stories. It was definitely the one that was like, this should be my initial novel so that if I have one out there, it's definitely more, um, less of a time investment. Of course it's about, uh, I think 86,000 words. So it, in, in the grand scheme of, uh, relativism, that's about as long as I think the second Harry Potter book is about 80,000 words, some 80, 86, whatever. Um, you can read it in a weekend. As a matter of fact, the Henlo press people did. And when they were finished, um, it was actually Courtney that works over there. She said she finished it and she's like, actually that was really good. And I'm like, yeah, 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 it was, it's fucking great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's good news for me. The, uh, story is actually about, sorry, the story is actually about a uh, young cub reporter. Um, maybe not necessarily a cub reporter, but a young woman who is a reporter working in West Virginia and she finds out she's pregnant and like almost the same day, you know, big storm cloud of threes, she ends up going down to a uh, remote mountain town in order to cover the initial stages, the opening uh, proceedings of a very high profile murder trial. And as she gets down there, she finds that not everything is, is, uh, is what it seems. And it's a wild dude. It's all, it's off the fucking chain. It's definitely got my, um, if you guys liked scars in time, uh, it's very similar vibes. It's that sort of twin peaks in West Virginia feel, with a very powerful helping of Tyler uh, sprinkled in. It is the first appearance of specifically, uh, you know what, no spoilers, but there's a lot of initial appearances of characters, secondary appearances of characters that folks out there have been waiting to see, and that will be um, being released in the fourth quarter of 2023. So West by God, put it on your calendar, check it out. And I'm going to be really hitting this launch Unfucking believably hard. We're going to be doing a Kickstarter. They do Kickstarters to cover preprint costs, which is a good idea. And um, I'm going to be out there trying to do media circuits. I'm going to be doing actual fucking advertising for stuff. I think I might try to shoot a short film uh, advertisement. You know, like they do this book trailers. I think I might try to really like flex my 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 fucking dick out here and uh, and try to make something cool with that. Also on that note, uh, moving on, moving on from Hello Press. Very good news. Uh, knock on wood, knock on wood that it all stays together. Um, <clears throat> but moving on from that, uh, we are going to be having the moons Kickstarter here coming up very shortly. Um, I was wanting to launch it in January. I still might be able to get to it ish. I've got to do a bunch of catching up from the fucking holidays. I mean, you guys know how it is, but, um, as I'm, as I'm kind of getting a little bit deeper and deeper into it, um, that Kickstarter is going to be coming along soon, hopefully by February. I've got to make a video for it and um, basically set up the Kickstarter page, which is his own big-ass pain-in-the-fucking-dick kind of thing. But hopefully that, uh, that gets big. Apparently, Kickstarter is really good about sharing projects out of Kickstarter. Um, 
<clears throat> especially if they look good, because there's a lot of uh, curation on Kickstarter to make sure that people don't absolutely just abuse the uh, platform to like raise illicit funds and stuff. But uh, the basis for that is going to be basically just making the game, like making a bunch of card packs and stuff. And I'm going to be making really good ones. And if you've uh, wanted to play moons, that's going to be one of the best ways to do it. Now, uh, time for the quick plug. The um, West Side Fairy Tales is on Patreon, as I, as I know many of you know. And uh, we now have currently what we call the West Side Beta Program. And that's where you get to, you get to do a little bit of play test, a little practice test on various products that we're going to be putting out. I have not yet put it on there, but um, I am going to be uploading to Patreon as soon as I can do all the the layout stuff for it, which isn't that hard, but it is still a a little bit of work. But as soon as I can get um, all of that done, I will be putting a printable version of the card game for those of you who would like to print it out and uh, and try to play it um, on your own. I think I will also be including that like downloadable PDF of the cards uh, where you can kind of just print it out on you know cardstock, whatever, regular paper, cut it out with a nice little cutter, and then you'll be able to just play the game just to play it, you know, like kind of like a beta test or just for fun um, at your leisure, at your desk. You know, um, I actually had some guys in Louisville play test it, and they basically helped me um, kind of work out some of the rules. They're a little bit more hardcore type fellas. And uh, they put they they printed them out and then put them in um, plastic card sleeves and apparently it worked very well so um, that's that going forward so if you guys are interested in moons I've talked to I've talked about it pretty substantively you know uh, over the course of this whole thing but um, if you uh, if you're not a hundred percent familiar it is a uh, card game based on phases of the moon it features a little bit to a degree in uh sin carriers because i was thinking about it a lot at the time and i thought it would be fun to include it as a plot element um and then it sort of kind of like really became a, an extremely powerful plot element but um that is going to be available on patreon patreon.com slash west side fairy tales please pop on over there if you want to check that out that's a t- 10 the 10 dollar level the ascended faithful um, and so if you, if you got a few bucks, pop on over there and, uh, and help us out. And if you have a little bit less than money than that, you know, just, just, just check us out anyway. You can get ad free versions of the episodes and, and all that sort of stuff coming up. I think the last little bit of news is, uh, and this is a wish me luck this month. I am talking with, uh, the rusty quill. Um, this is another knock on wood. They are a pretty major podcast production outfit out of, um, England, I think they may be in Wales. I can't remember. I, I, I'm, I'm beside myself. I'm even trying to guess, but they are responsible for, or have partnered with to help boost the overall profile of shows like the Magnus archives, which is, I'm pretty sure the, their, their crown jewel, uh, creation. Um, if you guys don't know about the Magnus archives, uh, it, it's a, it's an audio phase, like one of the OG audio fiction podcasts. And also it is, um, they just did the Kickstarter for season two of it. And it's like at a million dollars or something it's obnoxiously high. I mean, the last time I saw it, it was the high end of six figures, how much money that they've raised and it might be still going. So, uh, check that out. Um, but yeah, I might be working with them, partnering with them, uh, maybe making some stuff through them. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to go, but I'm doing that meeting very soon. So wish me 
luck. Now, on to today's episode. Today, I'm not going to be talking about any uh, specific media properties. We are launching the very first episode of what I basically call the uh, the, the the HLC interview series. I don't know. There might be a there might be a, like a sweeter. There's a sexier name for there for that for this program somewhere. But basically. Um, going forward, just kind of like freshen stuff up and not have me always just bitching and moaning about, uh, inadequate properties and, uh, maybe just to spice things up for you guys. I am going to start doing some interviews with random people. And now that I've been going to conventions, I've met a lot more random fucking people. So there is, um, you know, a, just a ton of folks that I can, um, interview and talk about and talk to about their various things today. Um, you're going to hear an interview between me and Caitlin Pace, the author of Mumblings. She is also a Henlow Press author. Um, this is not me being like cheeky and like trying to get my foot in the door or anything. It was just, uh, it kind of came up. I actually offered, um, I handed my card out at the first West Virginia book fair, the first convention that I went to. I handed my card out to everybody. I handed my card out to independent authors, established authors, different publishing companies. And I literally said, hey, Call me, text me, email me. I'm trying to do this interview series where I just interview people that are creators in the indie space and and talk to them and like, you know, try to give them a little profile boost, uh, make friends, network, increase the overall uh, arching range of our of our mutual creative spheres. And I got fucking no responses, which is. You know, there's other people I was like, maybe I'll, I'll go check them out or, you know, see if they would want to publish me. But I talked to these people and there's some of them that are super serious. All, all my shits and fucking copper plate. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a super serious publisher. Not a fucking single callback. Uh, not, not, not a reference, nothing at all. And, you know, they have authors launching shit. I don't know what the fuck their authors are doing where they're not talking to people, but Fuck it. Henlo. I mean, like literally a week and a half, two weeks after we got back from the convention. Hey, uh, this is Ke- this is Caitlin Pace from, you know, da, 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 from uh, Henlo Press. I, I wrote mumblings. Please. Uh, I would really uh, if the opportunity to come and talk to you and and do an interview is still open. You know, can I come talk to you? I'm like, fuck, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm not bitching about people that are like how high profile that are too big for me <laughs> in these in these other interview games. These are. I met them for the first time and learned their name for the first time. And you have learned their name for the first time too. Absolutely. Just not, not taking uh, opportunities. Very bizarre, very bizarre out there in the indie community, but not with Henlo. They, uh, they, they jump on a hot opportunity. And so I'm glad I'm going to be working with them. Here is the interview with me and Caitlin Pace coming up now. Sit in, uh, kick back, enjoy. And I will be back. I, I will be back with you at the end of the interview to say goodbye. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, everybody. We're here with Caitlin Pace, who just released her collection of 13 short stories, Mumblings. She is a West Virginia author published by Henlow Press. And uh, Caitlin, if you'd like to introduce yourself, please uh, take it away. Hi, I'm Caitlin. I am an up-and-coming um, author. Um, you can find my collection of short stories, Mumblings, um, on Amazon and the Hinlow Press's website. And then I also have a couple of short stories published um, in different magazines. And you can find the links to those at my Twitter, which is my name, Caitlin Pace, followed by the two numbers, zero two. So um, this is a collection of dark fiction and horror, which is good because that's that's kind of like what my uh, my audience is typically into. Um, so do you do you normally work in that genre, or do you uh, do you mess around inside, outside, other stuff? Definitely. So I would say about ninety five percent of what I write is horror and dark fiction, um, just because that has been my favorite genre for years, and I've always been fascinated by it. Um, I have written a couple of um, short children's stories in the past, um, but those have also um, tended to be a bit darker as well. So I guess you could say that it is pretty much all that I write. So, so do you have like a, do you have like a wellspring of of darkness, you know, that you kind of like draw from, or do you just like the vibe? Uh, how, how does that work for you? Um, definitely. So I, um, as a teenager, that was when my fascination with the horror genre started. 
And I was mostly fascinated by how the genre um, discussed topics that society wasn't um, traditionally comfortable talking about. And um, this will be a testament to how strange I probably was as a teenager. (laughs) But (laughs) I became fascinated by um, the symbolism behind different creatures and buildings and horror um, fiction. Um, one time in ninth grade, my favorite movie still to this day is The Shining. Um, and I watched a documentary about that film. And in the documentary, it said that the hotel is supposed to represent the labyrinth um, or the maze um, in the movie. And there's a scene where Danny is riding his bicycle and it seems like he's riding in a circle but he doesn't end up where he started and it doesn't um, register in your brain unless somebody points it out to you. So that was one of my fascinations. And I watched The Shining over and over again, trying to find these little things that I never picked up on before. So I think that the reason why I write horror so much is because I really love to utilize the darker elements within the genre to explore um, symbolism and topics within society that we're not comfortable discussing. What, what, what did you say uh, is one of the topics that you most uh, you're most drawn to? Where you're like, this needs this needs some addressing. Um, I I think it changes often as I grow older. Um, there was one point where I used um, horror as a way. Um, to discuss sexism, and I wrote a feminist horror piece um, that was published in Dark Horses magazine um, called Pump and Go. And that piece I wrote because I, after a series of events in my life, I wrote it um, due to these events, um, which I should probably not discuss. Gotcha. But given the uh, given the title, I think I might be able to guess the uh, the double entendre there. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But I also wrote it because I was honestly tired of seeing movies play off of the idea of a woman being a being a victim, and I wanted. Um, a horror situation where for the first time um, in horror, at least from my understanding, um, men felt uncomfortable watching mm-hmm. and reading it um, by, in, the, in a similar way that women felt uncomfortable. So that was my goal when I wrote that piece. Um, I also love to explore um, family dynamics, especially, um, I wouldn't say broken families, but I think every family has, um, their burdens and the things that they're working through. Um, and I explore that within mumblings a lot. Um, when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I was interested in exploring different topics of sexuality and gender, um, but I think my, um, as I get older, I'm more interested in more of the feminism and family dynamics within horror. Gotcha. And you said, uh, older, but you're, you're still fairly young. I, I think you're, you're a student, correct? At, uh, yes. Yes. So I'm actually, um, only 20 years old. Um, and Congrats. you got, you got a, you got a published book way before me. <laughs> oh, oh, well, thank you. Thank Time you. No, yeah, thank you. It truly has been um, an incredible experience. And I tell everyone, 
that I might be 20, but I'm very much an old soul. And I feel like I'm 70 <laughs> at most times. Um, but yeah, I... Um, yeah, people tell me I'm quite mature for my age. Don't know if that's true. Um, but yeah, no, I'm very thankful that I am being published at a young age and that I am starting out at, at a young age because um, I just have so much time and opportunity to learn and grow as a writer. Um, and I don't necessarily have that time ticking away just yet where I feel like I have to do everything at once. I can kind of enjoy the writing process as a slower process, if that makes sense. No, 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 absolutely. And, you know, you, you just take your time and sink your, uh, sink your feet into it. Um, you have, this is a, a collection of 13 short stories, but do you have uh, aspirations to um, start writing like longer content? Do you want to write one of those big chunky Stephen King grade doorstops or do you uh, like to stick in a 80K, 90K range? Definitely. So I love actually writing novels. That's my favorite thing to write. Um, I love the slower process um, and how long it takes to work on them, which is what most people don't like about it. But I really enjoy it. Um, and I'm working on a novel right now. Um, it's currently at 50,000 words. So it's about halfway um, through with the first draft. But I've read novels in the past. Um, none of them of which I would feel comfortable um, publishing. Um, but I very much enjoy the process. And then my mom and I have actually um, worked on a novel together, although it is quite short, but the short um, format um, works for the storyline. And we're working on getting that published right now. Heck yeah. I've always, uh, I've always kind of loved, I, I like working on novels too. And I'm, I'm, Overly winded, I think uh, any of my viewers and listeners would really agree. Uh, but I think it really does stand out. I make all kinds of different stuff. But the cool thing about a novel really is um, how much of it's your life it takes up. I think uh, if you enjoy that aspect. I, I like looking back and I'm like, oh, my God, that chapter. I wrote that in summer of last year. And then that was like last fall. And you sort of have your whole life, you know, kind of wrapped up in the pages. Definitely. No, I completely agree. It's kind of like a scrapbook in an odd sort of fashion. Do you ever see yourself, uh, do you ever find it difficult to to stay focused on specific projects? Do you like to bounce around and, and work on different stuff? I do like to bounce around and I think it's because um, I am in college, so it's kind of hard to dedicate um, long chunks of time towards a project. Um, but I think that will change uh, once I graduate um, and do other stuff. Um, but yeah, I tend to bounce around. I time myself when I write um, just to make sure that I meet my writing goals um, for the month. And I do set goals for myself. Um, so I tend to write for 15 minutes, um, take a break, do whatever I need to do, come back, write for 15 more minutes. And then if I am not as busy, I won't time myself um, and I will just write for however long I want to for that day. Um, and those days are always my favorite. Hell yeah. So um, what's your what's your total goal per month? I'm terrible at math. Or do you, does it does it mix up or do you have like uh, threshold goals like, you know, I, I give myself a gold medal, so to say, if I get like, you know, at this amount of time or I, I'm a bronze medal if I get this amount. 
Definitely. So I try to, um, I make my goal before the start of each month and I try to base it um, from what I already can expect from that month. So if I know that that month is going to be busy, then I won't set an extreme goal. Um, So the goals are not the same each month, but I set them in the amount of hours that I dedicate towards my writing. Um, And usually, usually I try to set the goal for an hour each day um, towards my writing. And that can include anything from writing to researching publishing opportunities um, to marketing my work on social media, just to make sure that I hit all three of those major points. Um, And while I would love to dedicate even more time to my writing, um, that is what works for me um, at this moment in my life. And I have been quite happy with the results. I think as creatives, we always wish we could do more um, with our art. Um, But I have been happy with the results that I've been making. So I've been sticking um, to those goals. Awesome. And, uh, you know, I guess it's, it's really panned out for you. You're getting a lot done. I went to college too, and I got, I got next to nothing done. I think I tried to start like three novels and I didn't finish one until I'd been out of school for like at least two years, but you do, you do really start getting a lot of, a lot of time. So I gotta, I gotta give you your props for that. Managing to get, um, multiple novels done and uh, an entire short story collection. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Heck yeah. And uh, onto that, some mumblings. Um, how did you um, accumulate these stories? You know, did did you write with the intention of putting together a collection? Did you kind of have a lot of stuff sitting around, and you're like, "Hell, thirteen's a good number. I'm going to pick these out." Definitely. So, mumblings was not a strict plan um, at first. I wrote the first story, which is not the first story in the collection. I think it's towards the middle, called "The Case of Emily Peter." And that story is based off of a place in my hometown. I'm from Charleston, West Virginia. And one of my favorite places in Charleston is the Carriage Trail. Oh, and yeah. I've yeah. been here a bunch of times. I, I love oh, the Carriage yeah. Trail. My wife is also from Charleston. So I've uh, I've walked over there up past the train station a million times. It's the best in the fall. It's pretty much one of the best, like the most beautiful places in the city. I won't steal your thunder, but please continue. No, that's great. I didn't know um, about your connections to Charleston. So that that's truly amazing. Um, but yeah, so I was hiking on the carriage trail one day and I noticed the sign that said um, how they found two bodies um, on the carriage trail when they were constructing it. So I just began to think about these um, two bodies and I researched it and couldn't really find anything. And they kind of took... Um, they kind of became characters within my mind. And so long story short, I wrote the case of Emily Peter off of one of the um, bodies that was found. And then I showed it to my mom and my parents have always been huge supporters of my writing, which I am forever grateful for. Um, And I showed it to her and she actually said that I should write a collection of short stories based off of West Virginia folklore and other stories from the state. Um, and I thought that was a great idea. And this was dur- during 2020, so the start of the pandemic. Um, I didn't have anything better to do. So I decided to just start writing these short stories. Um, and they're all based off of stories that I heard growing up. So some of them are family stories, um, such as Papa Doc, 
Papa Doc was actually my um, great-grandfather who lived in Thurmond, West Virginia. And Thurmond is now a ghost town, um, but he lived there when it wasn't a ghost town and he was the town doctor. And my mom has tons of stories from him. So I wrote that. Um, and then I wrote The Tell of Whispering Way, which is a retelling of The Mothman. Um, and that serves as one of my favorite um, stories because I really tried to capture um, the kind of mindset that I feel a lot of young people have from West Virginia, mm -hmm. which is the desire to want to leave the state for so-called better <laughs> opportunities, but also feeling the longing to stay because that's where you're from and that's where your family is. Okay, um, I really so, get that. Definitely. Uh, it's something me and my wife talk about all the time. Like, It would be great to move back to West Virginia, but it is like if you don't specifically have this thing you know, one of these 10 jobs that you can do in X place, like there is just nowhere for you to be. I feel Definitely. Bad so many people love West Virginia. I, I talk to all kinds of folks from there that my wife knows. And then, you know, if you wear a West Virginia shirt out anywhere outside of the state and somebody sees you, they're going to come up to you. Like, why are you wearing a West Virginia shirt? Do you, where, where are you from? And you end up having uh, conversations and meeting people. And, and it is, you, you talk to a lot of people that really want to stay there. Um, and it sucks that they can't. Are, are you going to try to stay in West Virginia or uh, is it, is it a uh, chips fall where they may for you? Definitely. Um, no, I think that's a great point that you made. And I think it's very unfortunate that um, so many people do need to um, move away for whatever reasons. Um, Cause it is a beautiful state. Um, it has its problems like every state does, um, but it is a beautiful state and there's a lot of beautiful communities here. I am going to try to stay in West Virginia um, for a little while. I also am absolutely in love with New Orleans. I visited there a couple of years ago and fell in love with that city. So my goal in life is to live there for at least um, a few years while I'm young. I don't, I don't want to live there my whole life, um, but just a few years while I'm still young and then probably move back to West Virginia. Um, so I'm going to try to do that, but also life is crazy and it can take me wherever it wants to take me. True, true, true. I've lived, you know, I, I, I've tried to put down roots since my early 20s and, and failed spectacularly. <laughs> yes. Um, uh-huh. I think the best thing to do is definitely, especially while you're a young person, absolutely like just lay back, catch the wind and float around because, you know, you're really now that I'm, I'm 35. Uh, now that I'm the age I am, I really just cannot imagine moving across the country again. But when I was in my early 20s and I lived out of a backpack because I didn't own anything that wouldn't fit in one. It was it was a blast, you know, a pain in the ass sometimes, but it is great to just get around. So absolutely, that's a great thing to do. No, definitely. I completely agree with you. And I do want to kind of um, take advantage of that youthful mindset while I can um, and try to explore any um, dreams and opportunities that I have um, with that. So if I do decide to move, then that's okay too. Um, but I do have a lot of connections and a lot of people who care about me within the state. Um, so I know it will be difficult to move away from them. Yeah. And you're, um, I'm sorry, you might've said it before. I know you're 20, sophomore, junior. A sophomore in high school. Yes. In high school? 
Oh, sorry, college. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely um, not high school. Sorry yeah, about no. that. <laughs> so, uh, is your major writing related, or is it something else? Uh, what, what do you plan on doing? I'm actually majoring in social work. Um, that is mostly because I need health insurance when I graduate. I'm type one diabetic, so oh I, yeah, so you can't even risk it. Yeah, definitely. I need to be able to afford my insulin. Um, so I have to pick a major that um, it provides health insurance or is almost guaranteed to provide health insurance. Um, but with social work, I actually want to work in hospice. Um, mm-hmm. I volunteer with hospice um, in Charleston. And I just, I love it. It's, um, it is sad. It gets sad a lot, but the people who are there are just so supportive of my writing and they're so kind. Um, and everyone who works there, at least from my volunteer experiences have tried to make it as, um, beautiful of a process as it can be considering the circumstances, Mm -hmm. um, and I also, I since I am an old soul, I love sitting with um, the older patients and learning about their life stories um, and then sitting with the families um, and hearing about their stories. And yeah, I just really enjoy it. Gotcha. That, that sounds great. Uh, <laughs> man, that is just, this is almost almost slightly off, uh, off topic. But uh, Speaking of, of hospice, um, when I was in college, I actually lived right next to, and it was no longer in use, a uh, hospice mansion. I don't even know how to describe it, but it was basically a four-story house, right, with like three livable stories in it. And it used to be the um, the for like 100 years or something, the hospice for the Deaconess Hospital, which was also just kind of like uh, on its way out. It doesn't even exist anymore. The entire hospital has been demolished since I graduated in 2013 or whatever. But um, that house was definitely one of the creepiest places. But it is also sort of like really, really cool thinking about how it was, it was like nice, you know. I mean, when once it's abandoned and stuff, it's not the best. But it is nice to think that instead of just, you know, some sort of like antiseptic, sterile place, all these old folks had this nice, like, kind of house for, uh, you know, talk to each other, kind of hang out in and, and still kind of live a little bit before the end. Definitely. No, definitely. Um, and I would love to explore a place like that. Um, it sounds like it's haunted, um, which I and my family, we love to go ghost hunting um, just as a hobby. Um, so I don't know if... Um, that would ever be allowed, but that could be a fun ghost hunting spot um, to go to. Unfortunately, impossible now. It's been demolished. Oh, I, no. Yeah, it actually oh. got knocked down my first year in college, so I, I had very little time to uh, to kind of like see it and stuff, but it actually had a, a fire escape that led all the way up to the roof because there were, um, like, there. I guess there was just like one tiny room up there, so they had to put the fire escape all the way up to this little tiny, um, I guess you would call it a garret apartment at the very top. And so we would sit on top of the roof and was actually at the top of a straight street, um, which you probably don't know if you're not from Cincinnati, but straight street is at the very top of the curving part of the hill that leads up to the, to the college itself, university of Cincinnati. And so you can look down into the entire uh, midsection of the city and see to the other side of the hills on this uh, giant valley that uh, Cincinnati is built into. And that was really cool. 
But unfortunately, that's now that's incredible. Yeah. So- <laughs> Sorry for interrupting you, but that no, just no. that sounds like an incredible experience. Yeah, yeah, it was a blast. Unfortunately, is a you know, I guess it's 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 literally it's in the history books now. But um, all that's uh, all that's apartments, uh, unfortunately. But you know, hey, that's the way things go. Mm-hmm, definitely. Mm-hmm. So back to your stories. My bad. Uh, what would you say is uh, is your go to if I if I have some of my, uh, my my people come they check out mumblings what what's the story that you definitely want them to read first even if they don't start with the first story Oh, that's a good question. Okay, it depends um, what type of horror you like. Um, if you like more intense um, edging on splatterpunk, I wouldn't label it as splatterpunk, but definitely um, toes the line in that area. Um, I would recommend Papa Doc. Um, that one, um, that one's one of my favorites because of my family connection, um, to it, but also I'm just really proud of how that one turned out. Um, and then if you are younger, I would recommend the tell of whispering way. Um, and then if you like more psychological, um, horror, I would actually recommend the short story mumblings within the collection. Heck yeah. And so, uh, you know, what, what would you, which, which one's your favorite, your, your go-to? Is it mumblings? Oh, that's a good question. So it changes a lot. Um, I would say the two of them are um, Papa Doc and the Tell of Whispering Way. Um, but I think the, if I had to pick between those two, I would have to say Papa Doc. Um, I'm just really proud of how that one turned out. Um, for many reasons. One of them is because it's um, pretty fast paced um, and I am more of a slow paced writer. Um, so I um, tried to write a faster faster paced story with that one. Um, and I think it turned out well. It also covers a lot of um, topics um, that are unfortunately um, present within our society. And I actually asked my authors if we should censor the story because the story discusses um, abortions. That you mean your publishers pub- or editors? Yes. Okay, you said my, well, my publishers and my editors they work mm-hmm. as both of them. Um, since yes, I'm published fine. with an indie company, um, so if I do refer refer to my publishers, they're also my editors. Um, just as an FYI, um, but yeah, I asked them if we should censor it. Um, after uh, we learned that Roe v. Wade was overturned um, because um, it does deal with abortions. um, And although it does not explicitly state them, um, it um, is based off of true events, um, unfortunately, in a small West Virginia town where people didn't have access to abortions um, and they had to go about um, what they had to do. in those unfortunate circumstances. So I asked them if I should censor it and we ultimately decided not to, um, that this was a story that needed to be told. Um, However, with that being said, especially in present day, that story can be very triggering for a lot of people. So um, I would read it with, um, if you want to, um, but definitely take it um, with a grain of salt um, and protect your mental health before you dive into um, these stories. Although I don't think they're as dark as horror can get. Um, I do think that horror should serve as an escape first and foremost. And if you're destroying your mental health by reading these stories, then I think you should just wait um, and protect yourself first. 
Gotcha. So you're definitely a, a fan of using the uh, the trigger warning um, to help prevent people from getting triggered by a potentially harmful experience. Um, I somewhat am and somewhat am not. So, um, and the reason why I say that is because I am almost never triggered by anything. I've seen mm-hmm. very intense um, horror movies and I am dis- disturbed by them, um, but I don't spiral into a mental health decline um, from watching them or reading them. Um, but with that being said, I have met quite a few people who have spiraled into um, mental health declines because they experienced a story that was too intense for them. Um, And I don't want anybody to um, delve into destructive behavior just from experiencing my stories. So while I don't um, put trigger warnings on my stories, I do support them. And anytime I recommend a horror story, whether it's mine or somebody else's, I always ask that person if they are triggered by anything before I recommend it to them, um, just to make sure that I'm not recommending something that could cause them to spiral. Gotcha. And that's a good, that's a good interpersonal consideration. And there's actually a bit of a, uh, I guess if you'd say a discourse going on on uh, Twitter a few months ago um, between some higher, high, mid-high profile um, authors of, of horror and dark fiction. And it got pretty heated and it's about trigger warnings, which I'm kind of interested in talking about another author about him. Um, I, I don't really use trigger warnings exactly. I think I, I think it's, I, I basically say, you know, Hey, this is more close to like, um, ratings, you know, PG R. And I think that gives people a good sense of, you know, what they're going to see and what they're not going to see. Um, but some of their discourse was that you should have uh, specific, you know, I mean, really like detailed to the point, like if you are like, uh, this specific thing. Uh, actually, I have a, a mild trigger uh, that is just like my squick thing, and it just absolutely kills me. And I, I'm embarrassed to even say it because I am a horror author. But anybody that gets um, a, a thin cut, like a slit, especially if somebody oh. like slits their wrists or gets the like, ugh, it absolutely it destroys me. I can't even describe it. And now I know everybody that listens to my podcast is going to go back and be like, oh shit, he never fucking includes those. <laughs> but that's mine. But I, I, I don't think I would personally um, want that. It would be really difficult because that is, it's very, it's actually kind of intense for me. Um, in Anne Rice's uh, interview with a vampire, there is a scene that's like extremely long and I was listening to it too. So I couldn't just go like skip through because I was driving on the highway listening to the audiobook, And it was just like, damn, I really, I really wish that this would end because this lady has been like, she's been, she gets, you know, cut up by the vampires and dies for like forever. I'm like, can this just stop? But I don't know if it would specifically be fair for me to request that specific of a, of a trigger warning from everybody. And, and some of the conversation was that it should be um, not necessarily mandatory, but like socially impermissible to not include them. What do you think about something like that? Oh, that's interesting. So I never give ultra specific trigger warnings. Um, usually the main ones that I will ask about or um, try to provide if I feel like it's needed for a person are um, rape and drug addiction. 
um, intense drug addiction, especially um, where I'm from, West Virginia. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of um, people that I know have su- their family members have suffered from intense drug addiction. Um, so I try to provide that if they need that as a trigger warning. Um, and then also a lot of people cannot watch rape scenes, which is very understandable. So I try to provide that also. Um, and then if there's something that's um, more in the public eye, like my story about abortions, then I would um, provide that as a trigger warning. But with that being said, if my story had come out and Roe v. Wade was still in place, I wouldn't have provided that as a trigger. Um, so it does change um, based on the political climate. Um, but yeah, ne- for myself personally, I never look up trigger warnings. I go into stories completely blind and I almost always finish them. There's only been one movie um, out of all the books I've read, TV shows I've watched, and movies I've seen. There's only been one movie that I couldn't finish, um, which was Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, and yeah. Was, no, I, I know. Yes. Definitely. Absolutely. absolutely. That one was because um, there's a rape scene in there that was way too intense for me to watch. Um, and it... Um, didn't, it wasn't about escapism anymore while watching it. It was no um, cannibal holocaust. Too yeah. Much. It, yeah, yeah, it's it was absolutely. Yeah, you do not have to excuse that one. Um, no, definitely. So I I haven't seen the ending of that to this day, um, but I've still seen more intense um, stuff. Like um, I think Clockwork Orange is really intense, um, and I've seen that mm-hmm. um, and other stuff. Um, but yeah, I. I don't necessarily think for um, minor things, um, the author needs to provide a trigger warning. I think that if the work becomes popular enough, um, then fans will write um, stuff about different what they found triggering about it um, for other fans. And I've seen this with um, a popular popular. Um, podcast called the Magnus Archives. Yeah, um, yeah, where a lot of the fans actually have created um, list of trigger warnings that they felt the authors missed out on. Um, so I think that's fine if the fans want to do that. I think that's okay. Um, but I think as authors, um, for like minor stuff, um, like cuts, even though it is triggering for you to witness that. Super I don't specific, think we have though. To talk yeah, about like, it. yeah. And I think uh, I think that kind of goes into it too. I, I agree basically a hundred percent with what you said, um, with basically no real deviations. And also your point, um, which is one that I was thinking of. I didn't really even get involved with the Twitter deal, but yeah, most of the big things where, where you're going to really stumble in, you know what I mean? Because if somebody's going to read one of my books, it's very rare that they're not going to know exactly who I am, you know, and my fan base is specifically people I almost basically know personally. Um, And uh, if I was bigger then you do have like the big fan base. So you're either kind of going in reading something you're, you're really close to, or if it's a larger thing, you, you can, if you're a person that's at risk, very easily look stuff up. Like I, I couldn't imagine anybody being surprised by a Stephen King book if they did a little bit of diligence, you know? You Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think the three big ones is like you said, uh, sexual assault of, of any, any flavor. 
uh, violence against animals, which is actually my big thing with cannibal Holocaust because it was mm-hmm. the other things were fake, but that was actually extremely real. We found out and that's completely f- horrific. Um, and then uh, children violence against children, which is some people's like absolute no go. Uh, Definitely. No, I completely agree. I also provide trigger warnings for, um, for those things as well. Um, if somebody asks me about them, um, luckily I haven't seen or read a lot of stuff that has violence against children, um, which thank goodness that people are not putting that stuff out there. Um, aside from talking about, um, topics that I feel need to be discussed in society, such as like child, um, brides and, um, and um, exploited labor, um, which I've seen in a few um, stuff that horror stories that I've read. But no, I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, uh, and you know, you can uh, agree with me or, or, or not, but just to, as a topic of discussion, I think there's also a degree of uh, quality of portrayal, kind of like you were saying with um, Clockwork Orange and. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Holocaust does have a very uh, gazy, voyeuristic quality to it that is really like gross. In, in just a, mm-hmm. like, just even just like not stuff happening, it does have a vibe where you're like, we're getting things out of the way so that I can just really just revel in something. And it's, we're trying to make this look as real as possible and not kind of. There's no camp, you know, there's no cutaway vibe. And uh, in, in like Clockwork Orange, it is supposed to be really intense, but it's got this artistic alienness to it where you're like, this is, st- I'm still watching a film. Like, I know no one's being harmed in the making of this. Do you, do you think that that's like a good distinction to make or do you think that's not particularly valuable? Definitely. No, I think it's a good um, distinction to make because I believe that the horror genre of first and foremost, should be, um, as the fans of it, the fans should be able to experience escapism from it. Mm -hmm. So when you cross that line and make it feel too realistic, um, I think you're taking on more than you can handle in most um, circumstances. Um, And if people respond badly to it, I think you need to be prepared for that because they will most likely. Um, But no, as you were talking about that, it kind of reminded me of a recent film that I watched, um, Barbarian, which is getting... um, Amazing. I I gave such a glowing review. I think I talked about it for two hours on this podcast. Oh, that's great. I started listening to that. I'll have to finish it. Um, but I loved it as well. Um, and something that I think they handled so um, adapt so amazingly with that is that that film very much talks about sexual assault, but they hardly ever, if ever, show a sexual assault scene. But you still feel the impact of it. So it provided a tool to discuss that problem in society and still experience the storyline without um, delving into a reality that unfortunately so many people experience. Um, so yeah. that's one, that's one of many examples too in movies. And that's, that's something I talked about when I was talking about barbarian. It really is a perfect example of that in multiple different ways. They talk about, um, you know, race and stuff in that uh, without delving, like just making it being one of those, you know, um, it, 
poverty porn kind of deals, you know, like, oh, okay, so this is just, I, I'm, this is me watching black people suffer for like an hour and a half to, to, to no <laughs> avail. Um, yeah, the sexual assault, even economic things and the economic downturn and like just the uncomfortableness of being a woman or being a man in a modern in modern society and like getting pushed into that weird situation without ever being preachy or really like, uh, I don't know, porny or like creepy or anything like that. It, it was really executed well. And also like, I never felt beat over the head by it either. Yeah, no, definitely. I felt the exact same way while watching it. Um, and it's one that I watched a couple weeks ago and I've thought about it almost every single day. Um, so I think it's, Definitely, if I can be so bold as to say, um, one of the more modern classics of our time. Um, and I think that's a perfect example to use um, of how you can talk about these um, hard topics in society um, and horror without crossing the line to where it feels too realistic um, for Absolutely. people to experience it. And this will be my last statement on it because everybody knows that's listen to the previous episodes of this that I, I, I can get distracted. But uh, spoilers aside, um, the best when she jumps, right? Mm-hmm. Did you did you ever expect it? Did anyone ever expect that moment? It was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I I didn't expect it up until the very last moment where when I was like, oh, she's going to jump. Yeah, you're like, um, oh, there it is. This is this movie is actually perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I love how at least in that moment, I felt like they very. Um, swiftly um shifted from um a horror movie that discusses these horror topics to a creature feature film and mm-hmm. i love creature features too um so i just thought that was um very well done with that so speaking of creature features obviously and you said you um like to go into the the, the sort of symbolism of different creatures and buildings and stuff but uh specifically as a west virginian um if you had to pick mothman or flatwoods monster Who's your favorite? Oh, definitely Mothman. But that's because um, my grandma grew up in Point Pleasant. um, And I won't delve too much into it, but she developed dementia in her later life. um, And she was convinced that she saw the Mothman. Oh, wow. So that um, when she was younger. So that was um, very interesting for me to experience. Um, And I think that creates more of a connection to Mothman than most people have. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, the Flatwoods monster is interesting, um, but definitely the Mothman. Um, and then I've also recently learned about some other West Virginia cryptids from a local artist. She actually makes paintings of West Virginia cryptids, and her paintings are amazing. Do you mind um, her shouting out her name? Definitely. I will have to find it for you. Okay. okay. <laughs> it is. Um, her company is called Bali Raven. So like ball. And then why? And then Raven, and it's all one word. Um, and I love her work; it's amazing. Um, and she introduced um, me to the Smiling Man, um, which is so creepy. It's this like guy that just smiles all the time. And then the Vegetable Man, which is another alien. Um, something that I love about West Virginia folklore is that it's either very creepy or you can very much tell that the people who believe that they saw these creatures were on drugs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's always fascinating to learn about. Absolutely. So um, 
Yes, with with all that going, uh, with, with with that stuff, you know, said, what what are you looking for? Uh, looking forward to working on? I finally got that out. Um, coming up, you know, what kind of projects do you have ahead of you? So definitely. So I am working on a novel, but that's still in the first draft. It has about a good year before I feel comfortable sharing it with people. Um, but something that I love about that piece is that the main character is type 1 diabetic. Um, and it's all centered. The storyline um, is a horror storyline, but it's centered around um, the struggles that she experiences um, with her condition. So it's just been very amazing for me to be able to tell um, the story um, through her. And then something that's a fun project that my mom and I are working on, um, and we finished the first book in the collection, we are going to make it into a series, um, is that we're actually working on a collection of Choose Your Own Adventure um, inspired books. Oh, nice. But they're horror-based. So the first one is a slasher. It's called Choose Your Fate. Um, and it takes place at a summer camp. Um, and you have to choose like how you're going to escape the killer. Just as a heads up, and I don't know if you know this, because it's not always well-known as much anymore because the Choose Your Adventures aren't around as much as they used to be. But you cannot name your book Choose Your Own Adventure. Definitely. So we actually named it Choose Your Fate. Um, gotcha, but gotcha. it's inspired by um, those books. Uh, the uh, the whole that whole name is actually fully trademarked, and people didn't even know it. And so people were releasing books called like Choose Your Own Adventure, and then the title and stuff, and they all got sued by the same guy. Oh I no! That, yeah, sorry. Definitely no. You're good. That's good to know, though. Yeah, we um, actually anticipated that. Um, so it we are instead of Choose Your Own Adventure, we're calling it Choose Your Fate, and then. Um, like a subtitle. The first one is called Camp Melt Away, um, which goes along with the storyline. That's a good Goosebumpsy vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like Goosebumps for adults. Uh, They had Choose Your Own Adventures. It was called like Choose Your Fright, I think, or something. Is you know, very close. But uh, those, I remember those when I was a kid. I remember one specifically forced me to learn math to try to solve it. Cause I didn't want to cheat and look at the, uh, look at the ending. And, no way. Um, yeah. I was reading them. I was like eight. I mean, this is the nineties. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, I was, it was teaching me how to, uh, subtract cause you needed to know what, how old somebody was when they died with just the numbers on their tombstone, which is crushingly easy when you're, you know, uh, post collegiate and stuff. But when I was eight, I was just like, I can't, I can't subtract four digits from four digits. And then the thing said, no, actually you can just subtract if it's any person's lifespan can't go over a hundred years. So if you just subtract these numbers like this, you'll always know it'll just pretend like it's a hundred. And I went, Oh, and I I thought I was the smartest eight year old in the world. I still got it wrong though. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. The choices were like 81 years, 82 years and 83 years. And I was just like, this one and then i go to the page that is the selection it's like all right well you're unfortunately you just got your head chopped off by the the night oh no (laughs) (laughs) those sound like so much fun though i'll have to check them out um oh they're a blast 
Oh. Yeah, unfortunately, I was、um, born during the time where Goosebumps was still very much popular、um, by R.L. Stein.、Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up with a lot of Goosebumps, but we didn't have a lot of the、um, great horror、um, stories from the 90s because I didn't grow up in the 90s.、Um, but、okay. now I can experience them.、Um, I just think not those、that. are all rare, too. I, I feel like I've heard that some of them actually go for money, the actual physical copies. I would bought them if you want to get, if really to date myself. I asked my mom to get one of those from the book aisle at Toys R Us. So it was when、mm-hmm. Toys R Us existed and had a book <laughs> aisle just to basically hold the sheer amount of Goosebumps books that they had. And、uh, the first one I got was that one, which is like Night in the Graveyard or something. And then there was one where the kid plays video games, which might even be the same one as that. And then the last one that I can remember is a mummy. And you're, you're trying to survive a mummy in San Francisco at the San Francisco Art Museum. It's the weirdest shit. <laughs> that sounds like so much fun, though. I'll definitely have to try to、um, find them somewhere. I might have to like, dig deep somewhere, but I'm going to try to find them now. It's、Absolutely. a mission. <laughs> so,、um, uh, one of the final questions here what are, you, what are you reading right now? What are you reading?、Uh, obviously, you're watching Barbarian, but do you have any authors you're、uh, looking for or things that found their way to the top of your TBR pile recently? So, I have a TBR pile that will definitely outlive me.、Um, yeah. I just finished Billy Summers by Stephen King a couple days ago.、Um, and I, I really liked it.、Um, but, and I should have expected when I went into this, it's not that scary. And he didn't want it to be that scary. He wrote it to not be that scary.、Um, but I was in the mood for something scary. So, when I was reading it, I was a little disappointed, but it's still、mm-hmm. great. Story. It's a great book.、Um, and then I'm also reading now、um, Hollow by Selena Myers.、Um, she's, um, she's a great author, but she's also、um, most known for her sleepwalking videos on TikTok. By, she goes by Selena Spooky Boo.、Um, <laughs> <laughs> and she has a great、um, podcast that I love listening to as well.、Um, that's also, it's called The Haunted Estate. I think you can find it. By Selena Spooky Boo.、Um, and then I am just constantly looking for new horror. I have recently become obsessed with、um, indie horror and locally published ones. So I try to find those、um, mostly through Twitter. And anytime I see one that catches my eye, I take a screenshot of it. So my camera roll is just filled with pictures of what I hope to be my TBR one day.、Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's so many great stories out there.、Um, and where I'm so young, I get to experience these、um, great classics while also experiencing these new authors at the same time. And it's just, it's a really great balance. Um, but when I was in high school, I was mostly concerned with the classics. So I've read almost all of those. Awesome. I got to say, I'm a little envious of your guys' generation. When I was younger,、uh, we only had landline phones at best to contact people. And so it wasn't until I was considerably, like basically in high school for a couple years before I found anybody to talk with about horror stuff. And it wasn't even necessarily a good conversation, you know?、Um, no, because- definitely. I- oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's fine. I was just saying because it's just such a broad genre that, like, I, I think it, it, it's literally like comedy, drama, and like horror. 
is like the the unspoken third child because so much stuff fits inside of it, you know, horror, fantasy, like horror, it. sci-fi, and stuff. And so you'll end up like talking and like, yeah, yeah, I got three friends in nineteen or two thousand and one who are all all horror fans, but this guy's like a diehard splatterpunk only type person. This guy is just like if it's not specifically. Friday the 13th, I don't care. And then you're me. And I'm like, I just want to talk about Stephen King books, but I guess we'll all begrudgingly hang out with each other. <laughs> but yes. now you can talk to the talk to the world, which must be uh, pretty great to meet new people. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Um, and um, I've also thought about that a lot recently, too, because it used to be, from my understanding, that um, horror um, was pretty much just Stephen King and R.L. Stein, and then the classics like Mary Shelley, Shirley Jackson, stuff like that. Um, but now, although those people are amazing, and I highly respect them and the, their work. Can't say um, Anne Rice was the third wheel there. Oh uh, yes, Anne and, Rice was huge, although not as not as well respected as Stephen King. Oh, most definitely. I can't believe I forgot her, too. She's one of my favorite um, authors because I'm a huge vampire nerd. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've read almost the entire Vampire Chronicles. um, And I'm loving the new um, interview with the Vampire TV show. I think they did a fantastic job with it. I haven't finished it, but it's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Check that out. Oh, I highly recommend it. They did amazing with it. As a quick aside, one of my favorite things about Anne Rice, and I don't know if you know about this, but she was fucking furious about Brad Pitt being um, Lestat. Back yeah, in yeah, I actually did know that. Yeah. <laughs> people talked about it like all the time. And it wasn't until after I even got out of uh, college that I actually saw an article because I was just like, it's like, you know, uh, one of those things, like a rumor. And then I read it and I was like, oh my God, not only was she pissed about it, she was really, really outspoken about how mad she was. That is so funny. I actually have to tell you a story about Anne Rice. Um, I don't know her personally. I wish I did. Um, But um, when my family and I visited New Orleans, um, we took tours of the cemeteries there. Um, And in one of the cemeteries by her house that she grew up in, the tour guide actually said that she and her brother used to play in the cemeteries together. Like they would play tag and hide and seek and stuff. And my sister and I used to play in um, a cemetery behind our house together. So in that moment, I was like, oh, I'm connected to Anne Rice, even though we were so far apart. Um, But yeah, I thought that was a really cool story. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So um, I think on the way out of here, do you want to plug yourself uh, one more time? You got any parting shots you want to deliver? Sure. So um, you can check out my work on um, my Twitter. That's my name, Caitlin Pace 2 um, And I will post the updates for all my stories there. Um, and then also I will... Um, I'm also making other social media platforms currently. Um, I'm working on a TikTok and a Instagram. So um, once those are finished, I will um, upload them on my Twitter as well. Awesome. Well, everybody, again, that's Caitlin Pace, Mumblings from Henlo Press. Look it up, buy it, check it out. Thanks again for coming on, Caitlin. Thank you so much. All right, and welcome back to the end of the program. Yet again, that was Caitlin Pace. 
uh, author of Mumblings, published by Henlow Press, Huntington, West Virginia, 2022. I hope you enjoyed. As always, getting into the end of this, let me remind you, if you want to, if you, if you want to try to talk to me, if you want to hop on here and get interviewed at some point because you were a small creator or anything like that, please hit me up. Westsidefairytales at gmail.com. If you agree, disagree, any of those things with any of the comments made during this, you just want to reach out and say hi. Tyler, I fucking love you. Westsidefairytales at gmail.com. Also, we're on Twitter at WS Fairy Tales, TikTok, Westside Tyler, Westside Fairy Tales on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. Just look us up. Hit, hit, we're, 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 we're everywhere. We're everywhere. And of course, if you got some time, pop by the Westside Fairy Tales merch store, westsidefairytales.com slash merch. Buy yourself a t-shirt, a sticker, what have you. And of course, yes, the Patreon, westsidefairytales.com slash Patreon to support this, suggest stuff, join stuff, Westside Fairy Tales beta reader program. Everybody's really stoked. Currently in the beta reader program, you can get access to my unreleased, um, novel (laughs) my unreleased novel black city we are up to chapter three even if you join um after the monthly chapter drop just the next month that comes along once you've um enlisted in the program and filled out the little thing then uh we will we're going to send you the next chapter with all of the previous chapters attached so you'll be able to read through so even if you want to just skip a few months and then hop in and read it you know chapters one through 15, uh, you'll be able to. So uh, just keep that in mind. That's always an opportunity. Westsidefairytales.com or patreon.com slash Westsidefairytales beta reader program is popping off. With all of that said, thank you all very much for tuning in. The next episode, uh, perpetually delayed, eternally delayed of the Sin Carriers uh, ongoing story will be coming out. Hopefully next week, I do not, foresee any delays that should keep me from finishing that on time um if you guys like sin carriers please give me a shout out twitter uh apple itunes wherever the hell you guys want just leave me a leave me a review or whatever you know say hey well shit man i haven't done i haven't been back here to this review space since 2017 tyler you're still the shit i fucking love you sin carriers is great um just pop back there leave a review if you want to five star that bitch and, uh, and, and, you know, yo, to tell him, tell him Tyler sent you or don't, I don't know if that's against the rules to ask for a, a review. That wouldn't make any sense though. Why, why wouldn't you not ask for a review? Everybody asks for a review in any case. Um, thank you all for stopping by. I really hope you enjoyed this. I hope you enjoy the interview series. Um, it's not going to necessarily be every month cause I won't always have somebody to talk to, but it's going to be as many months as I can. And I'm pretty sure once people find out that I am scheduling interviews, I will get all sorts of folks in here. If you are a person that wants to do an interview and you are not a creator of some sort or, or in production of creative things, uh, like you are an independent business person or you are some sort of uh, tax wizard from Omaha, Nebraska. I'm not interested in interviewing you. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not. I am not talking to any fucking life coaches, any vitamin sellers, any uh, any 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 of the uh, the the lower value Joe Rogan type guests. No, I'm not. I'm not. Not here. Not now. Not ever. No, thank you. <laughs> but until next time, as always, stay safe out there.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Something's not quite right in the quiet mountain town of Targrady, West Virginia. Months after a local teen was lynched in the dead of a hot summer night, two men stand charged with murder in what the majority opinion considers to be an open and shut case. But Adelaide Stevenson, a young crime reporter from Charleston, is finding out the smallest cracks in the official narrative run far, far deeper than she could have ever expected. Join Adelaide and West by God as she navigates small town secrets, the dubious ethics of her own profession, and the dark whispers of an ancient creature, known to some as the Witcham Woman, who prowls the shadowed hollers that lie between night and nightmare. Sent on overnight assignment to cover the start of the trial, Adelaide quickly realizes the story she's been told, and been telling, doesn't make sense. Cryptic assertions of a concrete alibi are emailed to her by the family of the accused. Nobody in town seems comfortable discussing the basic facts of the case, and the murder she's been writing about wasn't the only tragic death this summer. Adelaide extends her stay against the wishes of her editor, and her investigations take a complicated and dangerous turn as she discovers the true depths of the mysteries surrounding Targrady. The only real evidence from the night of the murder may lie in the hands of a notorious local crime family led by an enigmatic woman known as the Fetid Queen. Local authorities seem to grow more hostile by the hour, and even Adelaide's own career might not survive this assignment. Featuring an eclectic cast of characters ranging from violent and horrifying to outlandish and fabulous, West by God is a must-read novel for anybody who enjoys Twin Peaks, Stephen King, and all the creepy places you find just off the path in the woods. It is the debut novel of Tyler Bell, a USMC infantry combat veteran, former crime and courts reporter for the Charleston Daily Mail, and creator of the award-winning West Side Fairy Tales horror and dark fiction podcast. Due for release by Henlow Press in October of 2023. Learn more at westsidefairytales.com slash westbygod.